0: You are now tuned into Pulse Pounding with Mickey Dillon Hello, fuck nuts It is me, Mickey Dillon And welcome back to another episode of Pulse Pounding If it sounds to you Like I am annoyed And non-enthused to record this episode, you would be correct because I am not interested in talking about the shit that I have to talk about today because I promised you last week on last week's episode that I would. Okay. And let me tell you why I'm not happy. I'm not mad at Britney Spears. I don't know where she is and what she's doing and what kind of involvement she has in the nonsense that's going on in her career. I have no idea. She's not going to tell us. She hasn't said a goddamn thing about this stupid ass song. But I'll tell you who is to blame. Will, I am. And you know why I'm angry? Because I don't fucking like that motherfucker. I never have, and I never will. I don't think he is what we paint him out to be, okay? As a society, I don't think he's a genius. I don't think he's a fashion icon. I think his style is stupid as fuck, and it always has been, okay? But we're gonna get there. Let's calm down for a second, because I'm getting upset. I don't wanna talk about this shit, but I have to. So if I sound less than enthused, To start off this episode, sorry, I don't like when people I don't like piss me off. I don't like giving people I don't like my energy, okay? Or that they affect it. But unfortunately, when someone who you don't like, who you find to be a piece of garbage, involves themselves with someone who you love, the same way most people (laughs) love religious icons, (laughs) you don't have a choice but to let them make you angry. I am in a good mood, though, because I got a haircut today after weeks of avoiding it. I went to get a haircut on a Saturday before I went to a concert a few weeks ago. And when I tell you, that is the worst thing you can do. So finding a barber as a man is one of the most obnoxious things that you have to do when one deserts you that you've been going to and you've taken a liking into. I know everyone thinks it's simple. It's not simple. You develop a relationship with a barber. They get to know your head intimately, and they know what you like, and they know how you like things done, okay? It's like trying to have sex with a new person after you've been getting that good shit (laughs) for quite a few years. The next person's not going to know exactly where to put your leg and your arm and put your fingers here and how (laughs) it's time for you to blast off. That shit takes time. That shit takes trust. It's the same thing with a fucking haircut for men, especially when you have to go once a week to once every two weeks. If I let it go a month, shit's over. I look like fucking Wolverine. You don't even want to see what I looked like yesterday. So after I moved, which has been like two years, my old barber is 45 minutes away. And if you think I'm driving 45 minutes on my one of my two fucking days off to get a goddamn haircut, you're out of your mind. I refuse. I don't care how good the haircut is. So I started going to these two guys that are really close to my house, um, but I don't really fucking like them. I actually find them to be two of the most annoying people I've ever met in my life. Um, And I also (laughs) and I don't like the comments that come out of their mouth about like certain groups of people and then like their friends or customers who have become kind of friendly with them who are of those certain groups of people will then walk in and their tune changes and their uh, way of speaking I don't know. It just doesn't seem right to me. And I don't support that shit. I don't give my money to people like that. I don't fucking like it. So I found this other guy, Pablo, at another local barber shop. And I like the way he cuts my hair. This motherfucker decides he's going to move to goddamn Miami, okay? So he goes to Miami. He tells me, while I'm getting a haircut. By the way, I'm moving to Miami next week, letting me know in the middle of the haircut that this will be the last time I see him and have him cut my hair. That's like your boyfriend. Oh, how long was I seeing this, barber? Maybe a year, maybe eight months. That's like your boyfriend of a year telling you that he wants to break up with you and he's leaving you mid-fuck. Like, imagine mid-thrust. Your boyfriend is just like, ah, oh, by the way, I don't think this is working and uh, I'm going to be out. This is the last time we're going to do this. Could you fucking imagine who doesn't prepare someone for something like that before they get into the action? You know, before shit really starts to happen. So Pablo came back from Miami literally weeks later and decided like Miami wasn't working out for him. And like selfishly, I was super excited. Sorry for you that your endeavor didn't pan out, but really good for me that you're back. So then months after that, more recently, he tells me that he's going to New Jersey for some shit. He's going to see somebody he knows and then he'll be back in a couple of weeks. Right. So I'm like, all right, well, I guess I'm going to hold out on a haircut until you get back. This motherfucker is literally gone for like a month. I hit him up on Instagram like, yo, you ever coming back? He's like, nah, I'm staying in Jersey for the time being I'm not going to be on Long Island. So now I have no barber once again. Mine and Pablo's relationship is very complicated. He keeps leaving me and I keep trying to go back. So now I'm fucked. So the day of this concert a couple weeks ago, I'm like, I need a fucking haircut real bad because that's how I am. Like if I don't have a fresh fade, if my haircut is not looking good the day of an event or at least a day or two prior, like I'm not feeling good if I'm all overgrown looking like a motherfucking Chia pet. OK, you remember those? You remember the Chia pets? That's what I look like when I don't have a haircut for a couple weeks. It's fucking gross. So I'm pissed. So now at 10 o'clock in the morning, I got to get on the train at like 130 in the afternoon. So I need enough time to shower and get myself together. I'm the worst. It takes me like an hour to get ready. I have to smash fucking concealer poorly all over this face just so I can leave the house. Like I'm worse than a woman. So I need to get home, shower, get myself together, get over to the train station and get our day fucking started. So I go out to go to the barbershop at like nine or 10 o'clock. So I go to this one place and it's fucking packed. The one thing you never do as a grown man is go try to get a haircut on a fucking Saturday morning unless you have absolutely nothing to do for the rest of the day and you have hours to kill because you're not getting in anywhere without an appointment on a fucking Saturday morning. Everyone, their mother, and their goddamn toddlers are out to get a haircut at a barbershop on a Saturday fucking morning. So I go to two places I can't get in. I go to this one spot that's in like the hood by where I live. And I'm like, oh, I'm about to get a good fucking haircut here. I walk in. There's one guy who cuts hair there that is apparently like super well known around this area. And then there's like one or two other barbers that work there. So the guy that I was reading about is there. So I ask him if he can fit me in without an appointment. Of course he can. He wants me to come back at like fucking four o'clock. So he gives me a business card that has like a QR code on the back to scan it and try to make an appointment. I scan it. A regular men's haircut on the price list is $45, $45 for a fucking haircut. And just to give you context, if you're not a man or you're not from this area, a usual haircut around here costs like $25 max and 25 is expensive. And then it's 40 by the time you tip because I always tip more than most people do at a fucking barber because I know that if I keep coming back to the same guy and I'm tipping well, this motherfucker's going to fit me in when I want a goddamn haircut. So after going to four fucking barber shops and being denied like a transgender at a Trump rally. <laughs> Canceled. I gave up and I went to the goddamn concert without a haircut. I didn't give a fuck. So, there's one barber who was one of the three or four that I went to that day trying to get a haircut who I've been going to kind of consistently. And he needs like some coaching from me, right? So, every time I go in, I'm like, I want a low skin fade, cut a little bit off the top, whatever. And my old guy knows exactly what I want. I didn't even have to say that. So, the first few times I went to this guy, I liked the majority of the haircut, right? Like, this sounds ridiculous, but it is what it is. I liked the majority. Of the haircut. The fade was a little too high. So each time I go to him, I'm like, "Mm, maybe a little lower than last time. And I'm trying to coach him into doing my haircut the way that I want it because I really like him and the basis of it is good. We just gotta like fine tune it a little bit, right? Another reason I like going to him is because I think he's super hot. He kind of looks like The weekend's distant cousin. And I don't know what his ethnicity is, but he starts talking some shit in Spanish. And I don't know everything about him. I like it. So the last thing I want to do after finding somebody who can give me a fucking decent haircut who I also want to sleep with. (laughs) (laughs) is have to find a new barber. So I finally went to see him yesterday and we are absolutely not going to talk about the man who was in the chair next to me in Mickey Mouse Crocs, okay? Some kind of 50th, 100th anniversary edition of Mickey Mouse Disney Crocs. First of all, Crocs are disgusting. Second of all, any grown man that is wearing Crocs that you are continuing to have sex with anyway, I need you to question your judgment. It's bad enough that grown men are wearing Crocs which are ugly as fuck. It is worse that this new trend is to stick those stupid little pegs in the front and fill up all the little fucking holes like this is whack-a-mole. There is a small variety of holes that you should be filling as a grown-ass man, and it is not on your goddamn crocs. I'll fucking tell you that. Everybody who sticks these little pegs in their crocs as grown men, it makes me believe that you like to get pegged in other areas of your life, you gay-ass bitch. So just come out of the closet already. Grown-ass man wearing Crocs in the chair next to me, right? So now I'm sitting in this barber chair. I'm getting my hair cut. And then it's all said and done. And I'm like, hey, I don't remember what days you're not here. So like, what days are you here? What days are you not? And he's like, oh, take my number, which is very standard practice for barbers. Like most barbershops... Especially the ones where everyone who cuts hair in there is not a weird white person, which is the only barbers that I'll go to. I don't know why people touch my hair. They don't know how to do a fucking fade the way the Dominicans do. And don't tell me any different. So it's pretty standard practice for you to just get your barber's number and then text someone you want a haircut to set up an appointment. Like that's basically how it works these days, unless you're at one of those barber shops that's using like the apps or whatever. But most places are like, yeah, just text me. So now. He has my number if he wants to get weird. Do I think that he wants to get weird? Probably not. But you know what? If he comes across an evening where he's feeling lonely and he wants to get weird and he thinks of me, he's got my fucking number. He knows where to find me now. If MTV brings back that show True Life, I want to be on it. It's going to be called True Life. I want to have sexual relations with my barber. <laughs> um, I'm also dealing with a breakup. And no, I'm not talking about hot chocolate. So I need to tell you that the other night... About a week ago, this has been going on for that long. I walked out into my front steps, okay? And I wanted to have a cigarette. And I look above me, above the door, and there is a huge spider web. I don't kill spiders. I'm not afraid of spiders. I don't want them in my motherfucking house. But I'm not going to kill them. I like that they eat the bugs that you don't really want around. I think they're kind of cool, especially when I'm stoned, like something about them. I I don't know. I just think they're cool and interesting. And I don't want to fucking kill them, right? I actually took one out of my shower in a cup the other day and threw him out the door and said, you're not welcome here, but I will let you live. So I turn around the other night, I see this huge spider web and there's like this metallic silver little spider in it. And I'm like zooming in with the light on him and I'm looking up close and I'm like, holy shit, this guy's like literally metallic silver. It looked like some Spider-Man shit. And I was just thinking to myself, I don't want to be bit And turned into a superhero because that sounds like a lot of work and I'm fucking lazy and I got enough to do already. I don't need to be saving the day and my superhero secret identity and need to fight crime and emotional battle about what I should do impacting my relationships in life. I already have enough difficulties. We don't need to throw that in the mix. Okay, I'm not a goddamn Avenger. So I'm looking at him and thinking he's so cool, right? This web is huge. And I also think it's fascinating, like when they're in the stage where they're making the webs and you see it happening, it's so cool to me that they just fucking build this big ass web, this tiny little spider, right? So I'm like, you're going to live today, bitch. I'm not going to kill you. I come out not two nights later to smoke a cigarette. And now the two nights that I came outside, I would look up and I would check on him and see what's going on. Of course, I assumed that he's a man because I am a misogynist. (laughs) So I look up. He's all cool, right? I'm sitting on the steps and I see in the web this twinkling little light, this twinkling little yellow light. And it is like dim and going in and out really slowly, like the life is being sucked out of whatever this is. And I get closer and I realize it is a fucking lightning bug, a beautiful, innocent creature, which I love. I used to like to catch them in the jar like everyone else did when they were a kid. A fucking firefly. There's a whole goddamn song, a classic song from the 2000s written about how great and majestic and beautiful they are. And this motherfucker's got him wrapped up in a web ready to eat. And he's in the corner watching him die. I looked at this fucking metallic spider and I said, you listen to me, you Charlotte's Web wannabe bum ass bitch. You eight leg havin' motherfucker. I let you live out of the kindness of my heart. I could have whacked your whole web down with a goddamn broom and ruined your feeding feast, okay? I could have killed you. I could have stomped you out until you were dead and nobody would have cared or known the difference. I let you live out of the kindness of my heart and this is how you fucking repay me? You make me an accessory to firefly lightning bug murder and now I have to live with that? Go fuck yourself. So I looked at him, I said all this out loud, like a lunatic stoned, yelling at a metallic spider in the web who has no idea what's going on. I can't even imagine, from his perspective, with all those eyes he has, what my big fat head bobbing up and down, okay, looked like. But I let him know my point, and I didn't speak to him for days after that. We were in a fight, okay? So what does he do? What does he do? He catches another one. And the next night I go out there, I know it's a different one because the other one is dead, all wrapped up in the web. I don't know why they fucking do that. They wrap them all up in the web before they eat them. Just eat it. It's dead. Eat the bitch while it's fresh. Another lightning bug stuck in there. And at this point, I am livid. I'm like, you are so lucky. At this point, I'm invested in your story and your life. Otherwise, I would whack you the fuck right off this door so quick. You have no idea what would happen to you. So then there's a couple days where I like don't pay attention because I'm mad at him. But also I've got a bunch of other shit going on. And now I'm just not paying attention. And I look back today and I realize not only is this motherfucker gone, but he took the whole house with him. The whole web is gone. Is that what they do? Do they dismantle their web after they're done fucking eating and move on to the next place like somebody's deadbeat father? I'm very confused. We didn't have a conversation about the fact that you were moving out, about the fact that you were going somewhere else to the next bitch's house. To kill their goddamn lightning bugs? What a piece of shit. So, Herman, as I've named him, can go fuck himself right along with Will I Am. All right, let's get into it. I told you I was really not, really not gonna be in a good place when it came to this song this week. So, last week we talked about how there had been rumors about a song between Britney Spears and Will I Am, and that's never a good combination. Those names put in the same sentence is never gonna be good for anyone. I had felt some excitement. When the announcement came out because we just don't get any kind of announcements talking about Britney Spears and a new single in the same fucking sentence it's happened this is the second time maybe since 2017 since the last album cycle that we've heard anything like this happening so of course I initially was excited that excitement quickly dissipated as you heard on last week's episode when I realized exactly what the fuck was going on here when I realized how bad of a piece of shit. Will I am is. I knew this was going to be a fucking disaster, only furthered by the fact that then the promotional picture came out and it was a picture of her from 2003. Her face photoshopped on who knows whose body in the middle of a fucking space age look. I, I don't even know where they're standing. It looks like the command center for the fucking Power Rangers. And the graphics match. If the Power Rangers were released in 1997, the fucking graphics and art on this cover match that. It's ridiculous. I don't understand. Why they would do this again? I don't understand. After the controversy of the Britney Jean album that we talked about last week, and all of the nonsense and drama that came after that, that Will I Am spearheaded. Why the fuck would you do this again? Why would you pull out a song from the fucking archives from the days of this whack ass bullshit ass album that was dripping in controversy? Why would you take that and then try to put it out now and pretend it's fucking new? Number one, every vocal of hers. On that song that is hers is from 2013. You, you can hear it. You can you can just tell that that is not new, okay? Except for maybe the mind your business core. I, I don't know if any of that is new. I don't know what's going on here. This song is a fucking dumpster fire, okay? It is garbage. The beat is great. It needed to be updated a little bit because it sounds pretty fucking 2013. But as I discussed, everything Will Am puts out sounds old the second it comes out, even if it's current, because he just fucking sucks. And I don't know why anyone thinks any differently. The beat is cool. There was a good concept there. I would have liked to see them take it in a more modern direction and incorporate like some drum and bass because that style is obviously very popular in UK music. And for some reason, it seems to be coming back in some really cool releases that I've listened to recently. And they're trying to like pull that into the new sound, I guess. And I love that. That would have been cool. It would have been innovative. It would have been different. The mind your business concept itself had so much potential given what's going on with Britney Spears. And she's on Instagram and she's posting these videos. The conspiracy theorist on TikTok. Is this really her? Is it AI? Is she dead? Is she using body double? All this shit, all these like weird speculations, the mind your business line, and the where she at, whatever line, where she at, what she, what was that? What the fuck was that shit? But all of those concepts in theory could have been super cool and super relevant to what the fuck is going on in her life right now. And everybody's speculating different things about her that she doesn't want to talk about clearly. It's just fucking weird to me that these lyrics are garbage. It sounds like a fucking nursery rhyme or storybook for obnoxious children. I don't know who wrote this song. Apparently, it's Will I Am and Britney Spears. Who knows if that's the truth? This piece of garbage that this man put together and packaged up in a little bow sounds like an unfinished demo. And the fact that he looked at this, listened to it, and said to himself, this is good enough to release. I'm going to put this out next week. Shows you what an absolute fucking loser he is. This is the wor- one of the worst songs in Britney Spears' discography. One of the worst songs I've ever heard by her in life, ever. And anybody who says anything differently is a fucking idiot. Yes, the chorus is catchy. Yes, the choir vocals at the end were really cool. And again, a great concept if they actually put a fucking song together. I don't know what the structure of this song is is that a pre-chorus is is that a verse when she says where she at where she go all this shit what are you talking about and where are you going tell me where you're going tell me to shut the fuck up and not worry about what you're doing if there were lyrics in that pre-chorus or whatever the fuck it is it would have made sense it would have been a good concept i don't know what happened here and i don't want to know lastly I don't know who the fuck is in that third verse, the let the dogs out. And if you haven't heard the song, please listen to the song in its entirety, mind your business, and then come back here and start this over and listen to this rant and tell me if you think I'm crazy. I don't know who the fuck is in that third verse, the let the dogs out. I don't know what that means. You know what happens when we let the dog, who's the dogs? What are they going to do? What are you talking about? Who's the dogs? What do you mean? I know what happens. I don't know what happens. Why don't you fucking tell me if you told me anything in this song, if you gave me an actual lyric or message besides snap, snap, the paparazzi shot me, which like, where is anybody getting chased by the paparazzi anymore? Like this is 2007. It doesn't happen. Update the lyrics. Make it make more sense. Who the fuck are the dogs and what do they do when they come out? And who the fuck are you? vocalist on this track singing in the third verse about the dogs. You want me? You're claiming I know who the dogs are. I don't even know who you are. I don't even know who's singing because it's not fucking Britney Spears singing in that third verse. Who are you? Forget about the dogs. Who are you? I'm going to mind my business when it comes to streaming this song. So that's how I took the message. Mind your business. I'm going to mind my business when it comes to streaming this song. And I'm just going to not fucking do it because this is garbage. This is bullshit. She has not talked about it once. There was some interview with Vogue that was printed that I don't know who emailed in that answer. If it was her, if it was a representative, I don't fucking know. But I don't believe that she's talking about this song for a goddamn second. I don't even know how much she knows about it. I don't know if Will Will.i.am said, I want to put out this demo from 2013. And she said, yeah, sure. Okay, go for it. I, I, don't, I don't know what her involvement is in this. And they're trying to paint it like she's so creatively involved. Meanwhile, she won't even post about it on her Instagram. It was on her Instagram story with the link to pre save once the song came out. I haven't heard a peep out of her. At least with Hold Me Closer, she was posting all over the place. Before it came out, she was posting about it, uh, how amazing it was to work with Elton John, and how she felt about that. She was posting about it after it came out with the song in the video and then talking about how it was number one in all these countries. She posted about it in one of those voice notes that she was doing that she would like upload to YouTube talking about her conservatorship story and then delete. But it's on the Internet, so it's forever. She was talking about how great it was to have that song out. At least she fucking gave a fuck. I don't even know if she knows this goddamn song is out. This is craziness to me. Will am needs to have his creative license revoked because he has committed too many crimes for one lifetime as an artist and producer. Enough, goodbye. I want to talk about some television stuff. I want to do like a little pop culture roundup. But before we do that, it doesn't feel right to not talk about the writer's strike. So let's get into some of the writer strike because I find this really fascinating and really interesting. And I also want to watch all the streaming services die. Okay, so if you don't know, The writer's strike has been going on for what, like a week or two now? If you don't know what it's about, it's about money. It's about the fact that they are not fairly being compensated by streaming services. So, the old system of television was network television. Pre streaming, no matter what area of television you were in, you want to be on a network television show, whether you're a writer, whether you're an actor, whatever the case, right? Streaming comes along and changes the landscape. So, with A network television show, writers would get paid two ways. They either get paid weekly or by the episode. Network television shows episode season length is much longer. We're talking about 20 episodes, 25 episodes. Think about something like Law and Order as an example. Like how many episodes are in that season? It takes them probably six to eight months, that's almost a year, to create a season, let alone writers being involved in production and writers being on set to make changes and work with the actors and make sure that the words come to life in the right way and that everything makes sense outside of like a writer's room because when you're writing something especially at length it might sound good on paper it might sound good in your head but then when you hear it out loud adjustments may need to be made so having writers on set is like a standard practice writers would get paid either by the episode or by the week sometimes, as far as how much they were working. Streaming has changed this whole landscape, and it's really fucked everyone over, including the actors, which is why they're coming together with the writers and really joining this strike. When they introduced streaming, so like the first really popular straight to streaming, written for streaming shows were obviously by Netflix, and it was um, House of Cards, was one of the first ones. Orange is the New Black was one of the first ones. And those shows were obviously huge hits. I've seen both of those in their entirety. House of Cards was one of my favorite shows until they fucked it up when they got rid of Kevin Spacey and tried to finish up that series. It just didn't work. So when you condense production and now you take seasons of shows and and dim them down in a sense you're telling stories in 8 to 12 episodes instead of 25 episodes does it work 100% but you're already shrinking the time the money and the capacity that these writers have so now instead of writers working on one show a year and maybe a successful show like we were talking about Law and Order where you know that next year you're going to have a job and you're going to have money coming in You don't have that now. So, if you're doing a 12 episode show, let's say it takes 40 weeks of work for something like Law and Order with those 20 something episodes. Well, now if you're doing a 12 episode streaming show, your work is cut in half. So, are you working 20 weeks instead of 40? Now, what do you do for those other 20 weeks where you're expecting to make money and expecting to have an income? You know, like the landscape changes. And that happens with technology, that happens with progression in art. Like, uh, that's makes sense. What doesn't make sense is the way that they're cutting writers out of the budget. So the first way they've been doing this with streaming is by not having the writers on set. Because if the writers are creating these 12-episode shows in half the time that it used to take them to create a network television show, well, now after that, you can just get rid of them and you don't have to pay them anymore. To have those writers on set, to make adjustments and to change things and to be a part of the production in the way that they should be and the way that's best for the story to be told, that costs money. You can't have someone on set involved in your production without paying them. So it's really common now that they're cutting writers out of that part of the production. And I really believe that that's why we have so many shitty shows. That's why we have so many shows that kind of fucking suck. The second way that they're fucking writers over is residuals. So with network television back in the day, The way you made residuals as a writer or even an actor would be when something was rerun. So if you were watching reruns on television of, let's say, Seinfeld, Friends, whatever, everybody who worked on that show is getting paid every time it airs. So the writers are getting paid whether it's by the week or per episode when the show is being produced. And then if you have nine seasons of Friends, I don't watch Friends. I don't know how many seasons there are. So I'm just using that as an example. If you have nine seasons of Friends, every time they play an episode of that show from whatever season, everyone who worked on it is making money. And as they play it more and more and more, the more popular it is, the more it's being viewed, the more money those people make. So writers back in the day working on a network television production were making thousands of dollars every time that one of these shows aired, that one of these episodes that they worked on aired. Now, because streaming is a new model where you can have access to anything you want at all times, you're not airing things on a channel at a certain time for me to sit down and watch and look at the fucking TV guide and see what time it's going to come on. I can watch any episode of House of Cards anytime I want because it's all there. So in place of standard residuals from back in the day, they're now cutting these people a check once a year. And it's not based on the amount of streams and views that each one is getting. It doesn't matter. They're giving them this bullshit check Based on some weird percentage and weird formula that the actors and the writers don't even understand. There were two actors from Orange is the New Black. They were just on CNN showing their fucking residual checks and talking about the fact that they were on this hit show, this show that was bigger than Game of Thrones, bigger than this. At the time, Orange is the New Black was the biggest show on television and it was one of the first of its kind straight to streaming. These people are like uber famous. Everyone knows who they are from Orange is the New Black. If I saw one of those bitches on the street, point them out in a second. I wouldn't know their names, but I know their characters' names. I'll tell you that. And they were all talking about how their residual check for the year was 20 something dollars. One girl showed the whole stub that she was pulling out of the mail and um it was listed like every episode that she was on, which was a lot. And the bottom of the thing was twenty seven dollars for the yearly residual check. And then the two actors that were on CNN were saying the same thing that they're making like 20 something dollars a year from that show being on streaming and available for anyone to watch at any time their hard work after all those years. like it doesn't make sense when the original model was every time that it aired you made money so there needs to be some sort of adjustment like nobody's saying that we need to go straight back to the old way because that's not going to work we're already here but there needs to be some sort of new model figured out and then uh, if they're selling the show to a streaming service right so let's use friends again as the example like When that network sells Friends to Netflix, the writers are only making a certain percentage of the sale, and then they're not getting paid again. So if I can watch Friends on Netflix for two years, if that's their deal, and they're only paying these writers this percentage of the sale, the profit that the network is making from the streaming service buying it they're not making money there either. So all of a sudden, this money that they were making off of their life's work after all, all of those hours of of putting their creativity into these shows, now they're not making any money off of it. But you know who's making money off of it? The fucking streaming services. Because who's paying the streaming services to watch these fucking shows? If your favorite show is Friends and Friends is coming to Netflix and you don't have Netflix, you're going to fucking sign up for $14.95 or whatever they're up to at this point. And these streaming services are claiming that they don't have the money to pay them. Oh, we don't have any more money to pay them, okay? Let's do a little research. Let's see how many people in just America have a Netflix subscription. 75 million. 75 million people subscribe to Netflix monthly in America alone, okay? What is Netflix subscription price at? Like $14.95 or something? So let's do 75 million times... Let's just go with 14. Let's let's take it easy on them. That's over a billion dollars. That's over a billion dollars a month that this company is making just for streaming alone. Just the money that's coming from us to pay a subscription service to watch. That's not all the other ways they make money through advertisers, through sponsors, through all these different fucking avenues that they make money. Do you want to know how much the CEO of Netflix is making a year? 20 million dollars as a base salary over 50 million when you include bonuses, stocks, all that other shit that they fucking get the the perks of. So you're telling me a talentless, no creativity having motherfucker like a CEO at Netflix. And I'm not just talking about Netflix. This is Hulu. This is probably HBO. Like They're all doing the same thing. It's not just Netflix. You're telling me that these motherfuckers, the corporate People who make all these different decisions and and bullshit salaries based on their no creativity. It's like the same thing as the music industry. You have these old fucking guys who are sitting at home listening to Frank Sinatra telling Nicki Minaj whether her album is good enough to release. How do you know what the fuck the consumer, the average consumer is listening to who's not 75 and rich making fucking $50 million a year? How do you know what I want to hear sitting in this living room recording this podcast? How do you know what's good enough for me to hear? I'll tell you what's good enough and what's current enough. What do you know? So, the same thing is going on with television at these streaming services, and these writers want to tear their fucking hair out. Everybody on that corporate ladder at Netflix is making hundreds of thousands of dollars to millions. Even the people who are not doing big things there, who are somewhere in the middle of the road when it comes to corporate, are making two, three, four hundred thousand dollars. Well, don't you think the person who wrote House of Cards? Should be making $400,000 because that's the person who started the story for you to profit off of. Don't tell me that you don't have money for it. You have $20 million to give to Kevin Hart for his Netflix special because you know people are going to subscribe to your streaming service to watch it if they don't already have it. You've got $10 million to give to this one to star in your latest production. Let's talk about how much Jenna Ortega made for Wednesday. You're telling me that bitch who's the hottest actress in the industry right now, the most talked about new up-and-coming name, didn't make millions of dollars? I love Big Mouth. I love Nick Kroll. Nick Kroll's making like $4 million a season. He's writing. He's producing. He voices like at least six of the characters on the show. I'm not saying he doesn't deserve it. I'm just saying you clearly have the money. So if you have the money and the budget to get these big time names to release their stuff on your streaming service, Dave Chappelle, another example, they gave him like 20, 30, 40 million dollars, something like that. You have all this money to throw at these big names to be in your productions. Well, maybe stop giving the big names as much money. So maybe instead of giving Kevin Hart 20 million, give him 10 and then pay your fucking writers who create your shows. What happens when every writer in the industry of television decides that they're not going to write a goddamn fucking thing anymore, which is never going to happen. You're always going to find someone, especially up-and-comers, because if I had a show written that I had pitched to Netflix six months ago, and now their writers are on strike, and they come to me and they're like, we have no shows to produce. We're going to produce your show and put it on Netflix. You better fucking believe I'm not going to be picketing in the streets with the writers. I'm going to be like, fuck yeah, put that show on Netflix. Sorry, guys. See you after my season airs. So there's always going to be people But in a hypothetical world, if every person who is creative and writes these stories and these shows and these movies for these services stops fucking writing, what do you have? What does the $50 million that you paid your CEO, what does that get you? Nothing. You have nothing without the writer. Like the stories that you film and bring to life before you hire an actor, before you hire a director, before you have a crew, before you have production, before you have uh, 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 somebody on the corporate ladder who tells you whether the show is good enough or that they do if they want to pick it up before any of those people touch anything you have all of the writers creating these these stories and these shows you don't think they're the most important people to pay the writers are more important to pay fairly and keep happy than the actors because there's always a talented actor and there's always an a-lister that you're going after that if you can't get them because you can't afford their budget or or their whatever they want for the season, there's always another A-lister who's going to take that money. It's absolutely insane to me that they think that this is not the most important of all the creatives in television to pay and keep happy. And these people are not asking for absurd amounts of money the way the celebrities are. They're not asking for fucking $20 million for a Netflix special. They're not asking for $5 million a season. They're asking to be fairly compensated so that they can provide for their families, and continue to have their creative path as as a career? What's wrong with that? While you're sitting on your pedestal at $50 million a year, and you're replaceable because you have no creativity, and, and you don't make any sense for the amount of money that you make, what do you do? You sign contracts and, and you tell people what to do? Like What do you really do? And I understand that there's business involved in something like Netflix or Hulu making money. I understand that there's people up there that are looking at things from a business aspect and a budget. I understand that that's what those people do. But when it comes to creativity, you don't have anything without it. You don't have money to manage. You don't have a streaming service to sit on top of. You don't have money to spend on a Netflix special to pay Kevin Hart that $20 million if you don't have shows, television, movies to reel people in to pay your overpriced subscription. And if you don't have the writers making the good content, you don't have anything for people to pay for. Why, does, why is that not making sense? The other part of it that's driving me nuts is the fucking AI shit. Everyone's up in arms because the streaming services are talking about AI and how they're going to have this technology in a couple years where a whole show can be written by AI and produced by AI without any physical person having to touch it anything to do with AI, all these songs that are being made from AI that I'm sure you've seen on TikTok. If you go into YouTube, you can find almost any artist these days singing another artist's song with AI. It's crazy. Chat, GBT, all this shit. You don't have anything produced from AI without feeding it a bunch of shit to pull from. So AI might create this story that's new, but I have to feed it 10 different scripts from a TV show or 10 different images from a TV show or 10 different examples of someone's voice that I wanted to replicate. It's not making this shit up out of thin air. It's taking the work that you don't want to pay for and, and lifting from it. It's like cliff notes. And then you try to turn it into your own story. And then your teacher gives you your paperback with a big fat F because all you did was plagiarize. Nothing is your own or original. It makes no fucking sense. Do I think the technology is scary and going to become even scarier? 100%. Do I think it replaces stories that come from human emotion and creativity? No, 100% the fuck not. It is not the same thing. So I think this issue is really important and I hope it gets resolved soon, but it's probably not going to. These things, I think the last writer's strike lasted like 100 days. It never gets resolved quickly, but I hope that it does. There's something called the Entertainment Community Fund, which you can look up and donate to if you feel as passionate about this subject as I do. There's a couple other places that you can donate to that um, will help support the writers during the strike. And I know to some people who don't really get it, it might sound silly like, well, why would you support people who are striking and not going to their job and willingly not making money? I think it's more important than that. I think it's about standing your ground and the same way we've done that and we've protested and we've drawn lines in the sand for different communities of people and continue to. I think that when it comes to things like this, where people's livelihood is being threatened by greed and by technology, it's just as important. And as someone who creates some form of entertainment, I feel really really passionate about it. And yeah, if you want to help and you can help, That's the way to do it. Google the Entertainment Community Fund. And there's, I'm sure there's more, but that's the one that I was reading about today. And speaking of AI, has anybody watched the new season of Black Mirror? Black Mirror is one of my favorite shows. And I can't believe it's been gone for so fucking long, but it's finally back. So the first episode is actually really interesting. And it's interesting that it's on Netflix because it's kind of like self referencing, I guess. It's called Joan is Awful. um, And it's about this woman who is some sort of CEO or corporate head, and her entire life is basically taken by a streaming service that is very Netflix-esque and turns into a TV show. So like throughout the show, you find out that they're pulling content and using her life story Because she accepted the terms and conditions at the bottom of the fucking thing. You know, when you scroll through a new streaming service or any website or whatever it is, apps, and you just hit accept the terms and conditions and you don't know what the fuck is in there. You could be promising your unborn child to these people and you would have no fucking idea, myself included. So apparently in these terms and conditions in this show, you sign away the right to your privacy and they could basically take whatever they want from your life. So... She's watching this show on Netflix that is eerily similar to her life, starts to figure out that it literally is her life. Selma Hayek is playing her (laughs) on her own fucking television. And as things are happening, it's airing. So that's the weird part. Like there's this one scene where she walks out into the driveway, and she's fighting with her boyfriend about what they're watching on TV, the show about her life. And then she comes back in, and what happened to her five minutes ago is already airing on the episode that's on television, on the streaming service. It's fucking crazy. So she goes to see her lawyer, finds out about the terms and conditions and how there's nothing she can do, finds out that the way they're getting real-time stories about her life is through her phone, through her computer. She references the lawyer, you know, how you walk down the street and you see a sign for something and you talk about something and now all of a sudden you get the ads everywhere. That's how they're listening to you. It's fucking crazy. Come to find out throughout the episode that Selma Hayek isn't actually playing her. Selma Hayek licensed her image to this streaming service that heavily resembles Netflix. And basically they just like scanned her image and now they can take it and put it in the computer and create these stories with Selma Hayek as the actress, but she's not actually acting it out. So this is part of what's going on with the writer's strike and the AI, talking about writing and producing and developing shows without actual people, because what happens in this episode is apparently something that's not that far off. So in the episode, this big computer... Basically takes the images and takes the stories and the recordings of this woman's life that they're stealing from her phone and creates a fully produced show with Selma Hayek as the star and the face in literally a matter of seconds. So as soon as that information is coming into the computer, it's creating a fully developed and, and produced show without any filming, any writing, any of that shit. It's just happening in real time. This is where they're saying the technology is going to get to and some of the stuff that they want to start doing. They want to start taking actors and paying them for like one day's work instead of paying them the four or five million a season that we were talking about and scan their image and then just create these shows with AI and like CGI and make it look like it's fucking Brad Pitt or whoever it is. But it's not. It's crazy. The rest of the season is really good as well. It's not As technology based, separate, like barring that episode, it's not as technology based as it used to be, but it's more like end of the world. I feel like in each episode, people were losing their morals and values and being corrupt. And then in one episode, it's about like the end of the world. And it freaks me out because Black Mirror predicts the fucking future. I swear to God, like so many memes and so many things that I watch are like, remember when this was on Black Mirror and now it's real? And I'm afraid that the end of the world is imminent. Anyway, if you haven't seen Black Mirror, the new season, you should watch it. It's only five episodes. Um, I think there's one called Demon 79, maybe whatever the episode that has demon in the title is was really fucking good as well. I suggest you watch that one. Let's also quickly talk about the idol. okay? so a few weeks ago, the idol came to a close. If you don't know, the idol is the weekend's HBO show that has been talked about nonstop has had so much controversy from its inception while they were filming, while they were writing all these stories were breaking about what a terrible show it is. This is terrible. That is terrible apparently the person who was producing it and writing it with the weekend was either fired or left like in the middle of the production. And they kind of like started over with Sam Levinson, who is also very controversial because he is the, um he's the one from euphoria. And it's so funny to me how all these people, especially, you know, the, how do I say this? How do I say this without getting political and without sounding like I'm a Trump supporter? Cause I'm not, but also like, I'm not, all the way on the other side either because everyone's a fucking psycho so i'm somewhere in the middle <laughs> how do we not get political about weirdos on one side of the spectrum anyway Everyone of a certain kind claims to hate Sam Levinson, and he's such this horrible piece of shit, but they still watch the goddamn show anyway. They're still all over fucking euphoria, but the second The weekend gets involved, now it's a problem? Give me a fucking break. So I went into the show with no judgment. When the trailer came out, I was honestly really fucking excited, like really excited. It looked so good from the trailer, and then I don't know what happened, why it didn't translate from the trailer. Maybe that was the best scenes of every episode. But it wasn't good. And let me just say that everyone knows how much I love the fucking weekend and everyone knows how much it pains me to say anything negative about anything that he does. Honestly, he always delivers on the music. He always delivers on the visuals, the tours, everything he does music wise is fucking immaculate. And I just had this faith in the show because of what he creates for music videos If you put all the music videos together from After Hours and even what you got from Dawn FM and the live performances, everything is like a story. It almost makes one big movie if you put it together. So because he's so influenced by cinema and directors and different actors, I really thought that this was going to be his forte. I thought it was going to be so good. So I watched the first episode. I watched the second episode. And by the third episode, I'm like, you know, every week I watch... And I say to myself, just wait till next week. I was waiting for something to really like make sense or hook me in for me to be like, holy shit, there we go. There's the story. Now I'm in it. But that never happened. I will say that I liked the way they explored each scene. So I feel like for each episode, there was one big long scene and then maybe another one, two, three tops that surrounded it that were much shorter. But like, When they were in the backyard and in the house in in the first episode where she was rehearsing, they really dragged that scene out so you could really tell the story and feel like you were in this day of events that were happening. You know, like I feel like I spent the three or four hours that they were all there at her house watching her rehearse and and get ready for the music video that they were prepping for in the story. I felt like I was in it, like in real time. I loved that aspect of it. And in a few different episodes, they did that. They did that with the scene where she was filming the music video and kind of like having a breakdown and fucking everything up. That scene went on for so long that I felt like really in the midst of what was happening and the emotion and like the faces everyone was making where they were like shocked. And I, I just felt like I was a part of it. That aspect of the show was excellent. I loved what they did. It was filmed beautifully, as Euphoria is. The setting was great. The house that they filmed in, that's apparently The weekend's actual house, gorgeous. Like, that whole shit was cool. The story didn't make any fucking sense to me. We're watching this show for, what was it, five episodes, maybe? And the whole time, we're thinking, like, He's manipulating her. He's taking advantage of her. He's this piece of shit, which he was. But then we get to the end. And after investing myself in this for five weeks, she turns around and flips the script, tells him to shut the fuck up, kicks him out of her house. Then she takes him back and they're at the arena and she brings him out and essentially takes him back. And now there's all these theories about how the whole time she was faking it And she was manipulating him into believing that she was the victim, but she was taking advantage of him because he was like a muse or inspiration to her and that she made up the whole story about her mom abusing her. But then I'm thinking, but what about all the people around her, the two friends that were co-signing it? And then Troy Sivan's character, they were like torturing him with the shock collar and he was admitting that he was lying about certain things. But... She was so serious about what she was. It doesn't make any sense to me. The way the ending turned out and the theories of of why that happened just made no sense to me to the rest of the storyline. And I think it was just a big piece of garbage. Sorry, the whole show. Throw it away. No, thank you. There's talks about a season two. Please don't. Please don't do that to me because I'm going to have to watch it because I already watched the first season and it's the weekend. So there's nothing that he's going to do that I'm not going to be a part of. The whole show was a throwaway to me. It was a big waste of my fucking five weeks and I wanted it to be so good and I kept holding on each episode, but I just couldn't fucking do it. So thanks a lot for fucking nothing. The last thing I want to talk about is the new season of Selling Sunset. Have you seen the new season of Selling Sunset? Because it is so entertaining. Going into the season, I'm like, how... Are they going to make any entertaining television about anything on selling Sunset without Christine Quinn, okay? Because you have these annoying ass characters. Cruelle's whatever. I, I liked her more this season. She got bitchy, and she told that girl, Nicole where where it was and how it was. And I was like, I like this. ever since she's become a fucking lesbian or I don't I don't a bisexual, I don't know what to call someone who's in a relationship with a non-binary who used to be a female or was born or I don't know. You know what I'm saying? Like I had a, what? <laughs> I guess I'll call her a, a part time lesbian. So ever since she's become a part time lesbian, I like her better on this show. But I can't stand Emma. I want to watch her choke on her fucking empanadas. I can't stand Heather. Since day one, she's the most annoying and obnoxious. Ugh. Ugh. I can't stand her. She's just so fucking annoying. And so is her doofus husband. Anybody else I'm missing? Oh, thank fucking God Davina was nowhere to be found this season. She is the weirdest, cuntiest bitch I've ever met in my life. Unbelievable. Maya is a sweet angel. I'm not really sure what she's even still doing on this show because honestly, she's better than that. It must be a good check. But the whole time, I'm like, what the fuck are they going to do without Christine Quinn? Like, how are they going to make good television or a good season without Christine Quinn? Because all they can fucking talk about is Christine this and Christine that. And everything revolves around Christine and everyone's fucking life on the show. And now I'm watching this season and they wanted to get rid of her so bad. They were all screaming about how she was this, she was that. She's creating this environment. She's the devil. She's manipulative. We want her gone. Fire her from the office, right? And then she leaves the fucking show, and they still can't stop talking about her. Every other five seconds, her name's being brought up by one of these fucking bimbo bitches. It makes no sense to me. If you can't stand someone so much and you want them gone, and now they're no longer at your workplace, why the fuck are you still talking about them? Because you need to to keep the show relevant because no one gives a fuck about any of you whether you like christine or not that is the reason we watch the show because she's gonna pull some shit i have no patience for people who claim they can't stand someone but then all they do is talk about them and that's what they've done on the show they all did it heather did it emma did it fucking emma And to further that point, they keep bringing these new bitches into the show to try to recreate her and fill that character that the villain or the bad guy that Christine played the role of. So they brought in Chelsea while Christine was still on the show. She kind of, I feel like, tried to pick up the slack in parts of the season. I don't know how much of this is scripted and how much isn't, right? Because we know it's an Adam DeVillo show. We know that that means it's The Hills. The Hills turned out to be completely fake. They told us that in the last episode. Christine talked on an interview on Call Her Daddy with Alex Cooper about how the show's scripted and a lot of what's happening is not real. And she was kind of playing a character. And I believe that. If you listen to a lot of what Kristen Cavallari has talked about, about um laguna beach and the hills as the years have passed in more current times she's talked about how she was playing a character about how they edited certain things in the first season that she filmed of laguna beach and she realized what kind of character they were trying to make her and portray her as so she rolled with it if they wanted to make her be the bad guy then she was going to be really good at being the bitchy bad guy and she was she was the best at it But that wasn't 100% who she was as a person. It's a fucking television show. But we didn't know that at the time because we thought reality TV was real. I feel like people should be smarter about this shit now because we know half of that stuff is fucking made up. So she did that interview where she talked about how a lot of things were scripted and how a lot of things were made up. And she even showed an example of how they edit things to make it look worse. They took an audio of something she was saying and they put it in front of something else that was said to make it like she was reacting to what I think it was Heather said. Meanwhile, she had never responded to that specific statement in that way, but it made her look really bad. That's how they do these things on these shows. It's entertainment. They don't care about what's real and what's not. They need viewers. So I don't know how much of the show is scripted at this point or not. I think it's weird as fuck. How many people Jason has dated that work for him in his office? Again, do they all really work at that office for that company and sell real estate? Nobody knows. But if they do, it's fucking weird that we meet this girl Nicole, who's now the third person who works at the Oppenheim Group that Jason has dated. Strange as fuck to me. I I, I is that even legal for the boss to fuck that many people who work for him? I have no idea. So they keep trying to bring in these new characters. You've got Nicole. She's fucking wacky. And then they bring in this girl, Brie. And I thought they were going to try to mold her into the new Christine, but she kind of takes on her own role. And I'll tell you what right now, when I saw Brie on episode one and two, I couldn't fucking stand her. I was like, I do not like this girl from a fucking hole in the wall. And by the end of this season, she is absolutely now my favorite one on the show. She is the only reason I will be watching another season of the show, because if it wasn't for her and the shift in Chrishell, actually, I would not watch another fucking season of the show without Christine. Brie made the whole show for me. She is that girl who tells you that she's not fucking around and she don't play that shit to your face. And she doesn't fake it. She's not like the rest of the girls who are like, mm, I'll say this, I'll say that. I don't talk behind people's back. Oh my God, why are you starting drama? Meanwhile, they're all the fucking center of it. Heather, I'm talking to you. Heather, shit talker behind everyone's back. Not Brie. She had a problem and she walked right up to those bitches and was like, let me tell you something right now. This is my problem. This is what I heard. This is how I feel about it. If you don't like it, you can go fuck yourself. And this is how I live my life. And that is the kind of person I respect. <sighs> the Nick Cannon chick kind of threw me for a loop though because I just... You know, Mariah Carey is my lord and savior. And I feel really bad for her that when she got involved with him, it was not this clown circus. He didn't have a small petting zoo trailing behind him. (laughs) And now he's got 75 children. And it's kind of an embarrassment to her. I mean, I'm not speaking for her. I don't know her, but I'm embarrassed for her. And she does not fucking deserve that. So fuck you, Nick Cannon. I think the whole dynamic between... Chelsea and Bree was super fucking weird. Like why Chelsea was so wrapped up in the fact that Nick Cannon and this girl have like some sort of open relationship and not even one time, like it stretched throughout most of the season that they were beefing because Chelsea had this very strong opinion on her relationship and how it works, which is basically that like they're in an open relationship and sometimes he hangs out with her and they're together and from her perspective, at least. And then when he goes out and does other things, she doesn't really seem to care. And then like during the show, he like gets another girl pregnant and Brie finds out on like social media or I don't know, tabloid. And then Chelsea's talking about it all over town. Mind your fucking business, Chelsea, because you're married. You've been married forever. You don't need to be out looking for dick. So what business is it of yours? She's not fucking your man. Don't worry about it. I can't stand open relationships. And I am in the community of homosexuals where... Open relationships are running rampant and they have been since long before the straight started doing it openly. Okay, you guys are late to the fucking party. I can't stand that shit. And when someone tells me that they're in an open relationship, I don't fucking date them. I don't continue to talk to them. I don't get up in their business and tell them what they should and shouldn't be doing based on my morals and values and my opinions of what a relationship is. Why would I fucking do? Like, what are you talking about? So again, I don't know how much of this is scripted and how much of this is real. But if your real opinion was that, then just walk away from the situation. Stop talking about it. It's so strange to me that she spent the rest of the season talking about what she likes and dislikes about someone else's relationship that she has no involvement in. These people don't have to be friends. You're filming a show together. You're sitting at a dinner table eating fucking fake sushi or pretending you're eating whatever you're doing on a fake vacation that they probably film in one day. What business is it of yours and why do you care about someone else's relationship? That makes no fucking sense to me. This girl, Nicole, who came into this season is a complete fucking whack job and I cannot prove I am speculating. Allegedly, I have no proof of the fact that she's on drugs, but when Chrishell called her out for being cracky, (laughs) I lost my fucking mind. I feel like the twist in Chrishell, I don't know if it's because she's been getting her box eaten real good by that lesbian or non-binary, so she's not a lesbian, whatever that person identifies as is eating her box real good because she's got a brand new fucking attitude. I'll tell you that. She turned around and was like, listen, crackhead ass bitch, you're on drugs. <laughs> I loved every second of it. I feel like from the first moment that those two interacted about the situation at that house scene at the open house where she was like, yeah, you are a bitch and you've been acting like a fucking bitch. Why are people in 2023, women specifically, so offended by the word bitch? Who gives a fuck? If she called you a cunt, I wouldn't even be upset. If you're acting like a bitch, someone's going to call you a bitch. So maybe you need to reevaluate your own fucking behavior. That whole scene cracked me up. And that twist and flip in Chrishell's attitude this season is the second thing that will keep me watching. Those are the only two. Bree and her fucking attitude and Chrishell's flip. I like to see what crazy shit Mary's going to say or do, too. Um, so then <laughs> Nicole goes and takes a drug test. So they go on this like vacation. They're on this vacation for a couple of days in Palm Springs, California, which is it's always been a dream of mine to go there. So while I'm watching the show and they're in Palm Springs, California, I am looking up Palm Springs and Airbnbs and seeing how much it costs to rent like a big, beautiful house there the way they did. And it's not as expensive as you would think. But I did find out that there is a 24 hour noise ordinance in Palm Springs, California. So you cannot be playing music outside in your backyard of your own $4 million plus home, or you might get a fine or arrested. Excuse me, bitch, what? And you can't even have loud voices. If you are yelling in your backyard in the pool, you are going to get a fine. Like That is the craziest shit I've ever heard in my life. Who would want to live in a $4 million home to not have pool parties and yell and scream during the day, during daylight hours? fucking ridiculous. So a, they're on this trip when when the conversation breaks out where Rochelle calls her a fucking crackhead and that she's on drugs. She somehow Nicole secretly leaves and goes and takes a drug test and comes back with the drug test results very dramatic to show all the girls that she has not on drugs, which to me says allegedly I cannot prove, I am just speculating. That she's on drugs because I don't know where you got that piece of paper from. But if I was not on drugs and someone was saying I was on drugs, I would just be like, well, I'm not on drugs and I don't really care if you think I am. The fact that you went through these lengths. To leave the production and go get a drug test and then come back with it all dramatically and then say that if Chrishell continues to talk about you, that you're going to sue her for defamation of character because you've already contacted an attorney when you started this whole problem because you're the one who started talking shit about her to everyone else and she came back at you with something you didn't like and now you're going to sue that doesn't make sense to me. So if they would just wipe that bitch off the show real quick for next season because she's a waste of fucking time and energy, that would be great for me. Heather can stay because whether I like her or not, she's part of the original. So there's like something something about her, like even though I can't stand it, like it it, it makes sense in the group. It's not the same without her. Does that make sense? Emma can choke on an empanada or, I don't know, drive her fucking private jet into a hangar. <laughs> I'm sick of her ah that's it that's all i got for you this week i'm exhausted by the mind your business situation so i'm gonna go mind my business somewhere in the corner as usual if you're not following me on instagram it's at mickey not the mouse if you're not following the podcast instagram it's at pulse pounding if you are on a streaming service where you can leave a five-star review and you haven't i don't know what the fuck is wrong with you are you on drugs too are you trying to sue me for defamation of character i don't know but you're obviously a hating ass bitch Leave a five-star review if you can. And if you're on a streaming service where you can write something nice, write something nice and at your favorite streaming service and tell them to pay their motherfucking writers. All right, ladies, see you next week. Well, unless you're not a lesbian, but you're non-binary, but you used to be a woman, but now you're non-binary, but you have a vagina and you're eating Chriselle's box. Yeah, whatever you are, I'll see you next week. <laughs> <laughs>